0: Talking industry, topical debate from the world of engineering, automation and manufacturing. A DFA Manufacturing Media Production. Brought to you by Drives and Controls, the number one engineering magazine for automation, power transmission and motion control. Visit drivesandcontrols.com Hello and welcome to another Talking Industry podcast. My name is Aaron Blutstein, and I'm Managing Editor for Smart Machines and Factories Portal, Plant and Works Engineering, and Hydraulics and Pneumatics magazines. I'm joined today by Dr. Megan Ronan, Head of Industrial Technologies and Manufacturing at Innovate UK KTN. At Innovate UK KTN, Megan is responsible for promoting KTN as the UK's leading catalyst for innovation in the industrial technologies and manufacturing sectors to help grow the UK economy. Uh, Megan supports the industrial technologies and manufacturing team in leading a large portfolio of projects, including the Made Smarter Innovation Network, driving the electric revolution and analysis for innovators. Megan's career has been characterised by her passion for the UK manufacturing sector and enthusiasm to connect research with industry for innovation. Her academic background has focused on understanding UK manufacturing in the 21st century through its competitive landscape, business strategy and skills agenda. She has a keen interest in the UK textiles industry and um, technical textiles and champions UK manufacturing. Megan has a PhD in management from the University of Birmingham, where her thesis focused on manufacturing textile futures, um, adaption, competitiveness and the evolution of UK technical textile firms. Um, Megan thanks for joining me uh, for this talking industry podcast today I, I'd like to start by um, finding out a bit more about how you became involved in manufacturing um, your motivations for wanting to pursue a PhD focusing on manufacturing textiles which is quite an interesting topic which I don't know particularly that much about um, so yeah so over to you it's, it's,
1: Hi, Aaron. So thank you for inviting me to be on your podcast. And that was an amazing introduction. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, so I got into manufacturing um, from quite an an unusual methodology or way, shall we say. So I don't have a family background in manufacturing or engineering. So my family are actually a background of teachers and public sector, um, sort of NHS side of things. So, um, but I was at the... Um, I've actually got dyslexia as well so I actually struggled all the way through primary school and secondary school and got a passion in geography and that was something I was really good at so um managed to get to the University of Birmingham through my passion of geography and really applying myself during my A-levels in geography and wanted to do a geography degree mm-hmm. and it was actually one lecture um in my first year or second year I think it was talking about global supply chains economic geography and how things were shifting to low-cost countries from UK manufacturing and the professor at the time Professor John Bryson was really passionate about UK manufacturing himself and that sort of lit something up in me and also my husband who I've been with since I was 16 um, he went down a pipe fitting apprenticeship uh, route career and I was obviously at the university so I was interested in you know that kind of difference between you know getting everyone was encouraged at the time to go to university and what about apprentices and that world and learning from my husband Joe about that as well so I kind of put the two together and then talking about aging populations so how less young people are entering manufacturing and doing apprentices and going into the service economy what was going to happen to our amazing manufacturing sector if everyone went off to do a degree and went into the service industry and forgot about the manufacturing industry and then it was getting offshored and you know what was going to happen and I guess I had that you know when people talk about that climate anxiety I think I had that manufacturing anxiety mm-hmm. Like, okay what's going to happen if it all disappears from our shores and you know no one goes into it and we have skill shortage what's going to happen so I then um, looked at my own town which was Derbyshire and started interviewing for my dissertation so third year dissertation I said I want to explore manufacturers in derbyshire about skill shortages and aging workforces where it's mainly over 50s and how do we attract young people into the sector so my first ever interview i went off and in interview i didn't drive at the time so joe had to take annual leave to drive me around derbyshire park Education outside these you. factories <laughs> <laughs> park outside these factories and wait for me and i'd be like i'm only going in for 20 minutes to talk to them Two hours, three hours later, I'd come out from these interviews with the managing directors. So I interviewed John Smedley. I interviewed Denby Pottery, people like that. and but John, uh, John Smedley was the first company I went into, which was a textile company. Yeah. So it was my first experience into manufacturing was textiles and going around a mill, and this and it's one of the oldest factories, oldest mills we have in this country. And seeing the passion of the workforce on the shop floor and making something tangible that you could hold in your hands was fascinating to me. And then that led on to, you know, a really, I think I got 97% in that dissertation, which was incredible for me, being someone that struggled at school. Wow. (laughs) Then, yeah, you know, and I got a first class degree as well. I came top of my year in geography, again, you know, above all the private school kids. (laughs) Um, But, you know, I was... I've been really successful in because I've been really passionate about it and interviewed really well. These I was really interested in their challenges and their skill shortages. So I didn't want anyone else to do that research if I'm if I'm honest. Mm-hmm. I was quite selfish about like uncovering something about manufacturing in the social sciences from the geography point of view and the business management point of view, and looking at their competitive strategies, their skill shortages. And I wanted to continue that. So I applied for funding through the economic social research council so the SRC to do a master's and a PhD so it was called one plus three
2: mm-hmm.
1: and you got and it got fully funding for that for four years so then I went into doing exploring the UK carpet industry and, and then technical textiles because it was a huge research gap But it was a huge sort of secret of how much technical textiles we actually produce in the UK and people did not really know about it so I wanted to uncover that and make it more visible.
0: Yeah I mean it's 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 an unusual um, kind of focus I suppose because uh, I mean when you talk about the UK textile industry I I didn't think it was dead but I, I thought it was pretty much on in 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 decline um, partly because of globalization and you know uh, a lot of a lot of companies have simply offshored the manufacture of, of textiles so yeah I mean it's quite a surprising kind of topic I mean what, what did you find out about You know the the textile industry that perhaps you had never even thought of, or perhaps our our listeners have never really thought of before. I mean, what would you say? Is it is it in decline, or is it?
1: (laughs) No, of course, (laughs) no, yeah. So I mean, there has been declines in certain areas. So if we break down what is the UK textile industry, so the uk textile industry um combines really of three areas so you've got your fashion and textiles which is what most people think of they think clothing and fashion
2: yeah. you've
1: got household items so we make you know we still make a lot of mattresses in the uk a lot of us will have foggerty um duvets or pillows from dunelm for example that are made in the uk um for sort of duvets pillows cushions that kind of thing there's quite a lot still made in the uk here and then you've got technical textiles which was a term coined in 1985 and it's actually a marketing person that coined that term over in the us and that was to replace industrial textiles Mm -hmm. so those are textiles that are really hidden in our our economy and society because they're components within other products for example so our car exhausts are full of glass fiber Um, and you think about if you take your car which everyone's got usually most people got a car these days you've got the headliner Fabric, you know, the ceiling above you mm-hmm. in the car, you've got the seats, you've got the seat belts, you've got the airbags, you know, we've got a, a huge airbag manufacturer in the UK. um You know, we've got all the exhaust and engines to reduce sound. There's a lot of textiles involved in that and that kind of thing. um In aeroplanes, it's something like I had a poster when I was a student that said, like 80% of an aircraft is actually textiles, or the composites, um, mm-hmm. sealing, uh, the mm-hmm. seals in it, and things like that. So it is everywhere. It's just not. Um, seen, you know, unless we look for it. Um, so it, the textile industry really did start in the UK with the Industrial Revolution, you know, over in the northwest of Liverpool, where I was born. Um, and it's got some obviously negative, you know, image, you know, when you think about some, uh, how, how some of the mills and treated some of the workers and things like that so obviously that has changed massively and in the 1900s we then had a huge textile industry where we made clothes in this country and that in the 1980s 1990s that did really offshore with retailers deciding to go towards low-cost countries Mm -hmm. and the thing about the UK textile industry when we look at our manufacturing sectors it's one of the lower barriers to entry so it's you know it's high labor Mm -hmm. it's been regarded as low technology usually and it's somewhere that can then be moved to where there's a high population of labor available to make textiles, and that's how it's been perceived but actually in the UK we've worked really hard in over the last 100 years 50 hundred years to develop this sector and it's become really high value and high technology and that's the other thing we have this image that it's low technology Mm. and it's high labor and it's people just sat at sewing machines it's not there's so much design involved in it there's so much technology involved in it machinery automation and robotics already happening yeah. um, But i think because it's such a competitive industry it's a little bit of a secret yeah they yeah. don't want to they don't want to <laughs> yeah. expose it to everyone they want to keep the competitive by kind of you know um keeping themselves to themselves a little bit but actually when once you're in the textile sector and industry it's very well connected and networked and it's got an ecosystem of it's very supportive of each other so competitors will work with each other in the uk because they know that we're stronger together mm-hmm. rather mm-hmm. than working against each other
0: i mean it sounds a very kind of diverse industry perhaps more than i had uh, anticipated to be honest and you i didn't realize that you know such a large portion of an airplane is uh, is textile mm-hmm. <laughs> so um uh, i mean would you say that digitalization is changing the industry because like you said that there it's you know you you, textile industry was considered to be a kind of a low skill um uh, industry whereas perhaps now people want more bespoke clothing um whether whether it's shoes or cardigan or, or or anything along that even you know even for Um, more industrial textiles but more bespoke means having to react very quickly and you can't really achieve that through a manufacturer necessarily in in um, the other side of the world do you think that maybe that digitalization is helping to bring it back to the UK
1: yes definitely I think we're we're, you know we're thinking about circular economy and net zero as well about our actual carbon footprint you know about putting textiles you know across the sea, you know, from far away places, but actually can we um, you know, make some things here. I'm not saying all the textile industry has to come back to the UK. I think there's strengths in different countries mm-hmm. and we should honor that with a global supply chain and a global economy. But we have to kind of look at okay, well, what are the UK strengths? And some of that for the fashion industry is that quick response and quick turnaround for retailers. So um you know for example I think Amazon do something now where there's a product where they'll take a photograph for so many days, like 30 odd days, and people can only buy that that product for 30 something days. So they need a quick response manufacturer in the UK that can serve then that UK market. And it'd be those sort of retailers and that quick response to to satisfy our desire a little bit. So Mm -hmm. um, some of the fast fashion retailers like ASOS really need quick turnaround and they've got high demand. So that's where there is a purpose in the UK. And then the digitalization aspect can really help automate some of the processes within the textile industry that are still maybe more by hand or, you know, more manual to be be able to do um, small batch, small volume, but in a quick turnaround or be able to adapt to that high volume as well. So we need the equipment and automation and digitalization to be able to do that. And the other interesting thing that's happening with digital technologies in the fashion world is this kind of 3D scanning and getting clothes to fit you properly and um buying clothes that you know especially for women you know the sizing is is very obscure you know in terms of the different sizes for women and actually all different shapes and and everything so having that ability to have a 3d scan with your phone and it goes straight to the manufacturer and they can you know design and cut the clothes and create a pattern that fits you and then you can keep repeatedly buying those those clothes again is great um so that that's something that's yeah, so that's something that's like really incredible that could be happening. And been able to send off a design as well. So if you wanted to design a t shirt, for example, and then send it off to be manufactured locally really quickly, those digital tools really help that response and that desire. Um, you know, and I think we talked about kind of before, I know me and Aaron talked about this, the textile industry before we're quite excited by it, but Um, kind of that's I've talked about sustainability with textiles in the past and I think you know this swap shop where we can either swap clothes about servitization model where we service it and instead of buying your music we now rent it monthly off Spotify Mm -hmm. we could do that with the clothing industry Um, but I'm also thinking with digital tools if you can get your clothes custom made you're likely to keep it for longer and it's going to last longer and that Mm -hmm. can then reduce waste in the textile industry as well.
0: Yeah, I mean, you, you mentioned um, um, net zero. Are, are you finding that um, that the, the textile industry is adapting to um, becoming more energy efficient, or, or looking at ways and and do you, do they see that net zero is a a, a, um, a hindrance, or is it more that actually it's a benefit that they can they can take advantage of?
1: Yeah, I think in the UK. Um, industry is actually an advantage and an opportunity for us because you know we're looking at kind of shorter supply chains so making more in the UK we do have a cotton spinner in the UK as well so you know making use of this knowledge and these networks that we know of to connect the industry together mm-hmm. so that we can reduce the carbon footprint of a, a garment or a textile or an industrial textile and um, and it's also an opportunity for us to look at how we make textiles, the material itself, you know, what, what are we utilising, what, you know, fibres and raw materials are we utilising into the material. So I know there's like things with bamboo now and more sustainable um, areas of materials, but we need more transparency. So the textile industry always hasn't been transparent about, you know, where fibers come from what's included and that kind of net zero target is going to really force the industry to show transparency across the supply chain and also for consumers and retailers Mm -hmm. and for us to understand i think you know it's not just a industry manufacturer's problem it's actually the whole ecosystem so it includes the retailer and it includes the consumer as well so we have to really understand you know have responsibility when we buy our clothing, you know, to understand okay, what is the carbon impact on this? So they are advising that we only buy five garments a year as a consumer, which is nothing. (laughs) If you think about, you know, I don't know how many garments you've bought or pieces of clothing you bought since December, but already this year.
0: Um I don't don't know. No comment.
1: I think I've bought two already out of my five, you know, and one was a sports, one's been a sports legging and one's been a trainer if I'm including shoes, you know, but I'm still, that's two out of my five already purchased this year. And I'm thinking, I'm still going to need quite a few other things Mm -hmm. between now and Christmas, you know, so um, that is a real challenge. But as consumers, that is what we're faced with. To meet our net zero targets, we should be buying five pieces of clothing. And then maybe get four others from second-hand you know charity shops so um so as a consumer we need to understand the net zero challenge as well and obviously you know textiles is the new plastic yeah. and i think the uk textile industry deserves the same attention and support like the plastic industry has had of recent days so you know as consumers retailers and manufacturers we all need to be working together to meet that net zero challenge to have transparency get the technology right within the industry to support it, to meet the targets, get the right skills. That's another challenge we probably need to talk about mm-hmm. today with yeah. the textile industry, yeah. but it's also consumers and retailers as well.
0: Yeah. I mean, moving on to skills, uh, I, I know you're passionate about encouraging young people into manufacturing. So how how do you think that, um, you know, you can encourage more children into, into the sector? I mean, especially the, the textile sector, because that is an area which I don't think too many young people are thinking has a a particularly bright future but what you're telling me is completely different so how do you how do you encourage that and what skills are are really needed in the the sector
1: yes i think the image of the textile sector is that it's you know in decline it's old-fashioned it's machinist it's low-skilled and actually it is quite the opposite so in the UK, as we've moved up the value chain, shall we say, and done more high value, you know, manufacturing and high value textiles, which does which does happen in the fashion industry as well. Mm-hmm. Um, we need that higher skill set. And actually it's a very strong skill set and it's a very technical skill set. So there's some great, you know, documentaries out there that you can watch to really understand it. So if you watch there's one on BBC IPO with barber um, you know, jackets and the passion that, you know the people on the shop floor have to work for their industry and to make barber jackets and to repair and remanufacture the jackets as well there's that whole skill set it's not just making the products it's actually being able to take a product and repair it and remanufacture it in the UK for circle economy mm-hmm. and you know net zero um, and in technical textiles tech the skill set isn't what you'd expect so it's actually chemists that they need um, rather than people doing textile degrees. They actually want um, people that have done chemistry and oh, physics okay. and the STEM subject um, yeah. degrees. And it's actually that degree level. So, you know, a lot more manufacturers now are also hiring PhD level students. So they may have, and they may experiment with that through a knowledge transfer partnership. So, a KTP that's, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, part funded through Innovate UK but that gives me the opportunity to do a research project with a phd student and to kind of understand that skill set mm-hmm. and that diversity you know of how they perhaps use their own mind and come to the problem solving within their in the company and then they will hire them and that will enable them to innovate and to tap into a higher skill set to develop innovative textiles and materials or improve their processes, for example. So the other key thing in the UK textiles industry is they need engineers to be able to maintain machinery mm-hmm. and, you know, repair the machines and update the machines and actually adapt them to be competitive as well. So a lot of the UK textile industry do adapt their machinery to fit um, the product they want to make. Um, So they need that real high engineering skill set to be able to do that. So to encourage, you know, children into the sector, I think it's that visibility. Because like you say, you didn't really understand the textile industry in full. You just thought about clothing. So it's actually showing the whole supply chain but um, manufacturers have been able to show the visibility of what they do as well so Mm -hmm. we need to engage children through you know tiktok um i'm not on tiktok yet but that is probably my next goal or (laughs) challenge for myself is to understand tiktok (laughs) but (laughs) um i am trying with instagram um you know but all those social media platforms where children are and where they engage and where they learn youtube that kind of thing you know that's where they'll learn and see the u k. manufacturing industry. And we need to be,
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know, expose ourselves more, willing to be vulnerable, willing to be visible so they can actually learn. It's all about learning as well, isn't it, to kind of say, this sector is for you. And there's mm-hmm. lots of diversity in the sector in terms of um different roles that you could be doing. So look, so for me, I'm in the manufacturing sector, but I'm not directly in a manufacturer. I'm supporting it from innovate u k and the public sector, which is still a,
0: career path in manufacturing for someone so it's, it's uh it's quite a challenge by the sounds of it um i mean it's one 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 side you've got to encourage kids to um look at engineering in the first place and the next is to think actually if you're looking at um uh, manufacturing and engineering how about the textile sector <laughs> and it's it's a quite a challenge by the sounds of it
1: yeah, it is. But I think if we can make it more um, accessible, so I'm doing something on LinkedIn at the moment called Scavenger Sunday. And the point of that is just to really show people how much stuff is made in the UK that we mm-hmm. probably just don't even think about, you know, that we're using every day. And actually the UK manufacturing industry and the textile industry is all around us. So each week I'm posting something around my house that's like a scavenger hunt, you know, what can I find that's made in the UK? So if we can expose everyday items and talk about things like an Aero chocolate bar, you know, the tooling to get the bubbles in that Aero chocolate bar, is made in England you know and thinking about <laughs> getting them to ask those questions when they're eating a chocolate bar you know Cadbury's dairy milk taking them to Cadbury's world and going on the factory tour you know there's some great manufacturers out there that now have experience centres for you to understand manufacturing and the history of it and how production works so uh, Wedgwood is another favourite of mine in Stoke you can go around the factory there kids can learn to learn about the pottery industry and the history, but actually see a live factory making things and then also make a pot at the end of it. And it's that kind of exposure and visibility that we need.
0: Oh, okay. I mean are you are you relatively positive about the future of UK manufacturing in general?
1: Of course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That, of that, course. That... I'm very <laughs> I mean I'm a very optimistic person and obviously I have a huge passion for the UK manufacturing yeah. industry. Um so I, you know, I'm excited that the industry I feel is getting more and more exposure as the year, you know, in the last sort of 15 years that I've been in it, I can see that it's growing in sort of interest and in visibility, and we want to continue that. So you want to just keep shouting about UK manufacturing and supporting it. Um, and there is a lot of opportunities so at the moment Innovate UK for example has just launched its um, materials and manufacturing 2050 vision and it's about working with industry to reimagine manufacturing together to help meet you know those net zero targets but also you know for the UK to be the world-class advanced manufacturing location which it can be and we've kind of put together some you know 10 key areas that we want to work with industry to help them get there in terms of, you know, smart design and technology advanced, resilient supply chains and that kind of thing. So I'm really excited. We've got this like document now that's a living document to work with industry that helps us kind of understand where to fund, you know, industry and support them from the funding side, inspire them, but also involve them in what we're doing as well and, and to grow the network, support network and ecosystem. So there's lots of opportunities for us, but it's about actually let's keep the conversation going, let's keep it visible Mm -hmm. um, and join together to work together to make it happen.
0: Cool. Um, Unfortunately, time is running out. um, But I'd like to ask just one final, final question. Um, What are your hopes? Um, Where would you like to UK manufacturing to be in maybe five, five years time, especially the, the textile industry, which I know you're passionate about?
1: So the textile industry in particular, I think that's something I can really see as a tangible thing at the moment. So I want it to be recognised as, you know, a concern for, you know, textiles being the new plastic in terms of our waste. And, you know, it's the biggest polluter industry that we have in the world. So we need to kind of raise awareness of the responsibility of our manufacturers, but also our retailers and us as consumers. And actually it's all working together in one ecosystem and network together, really growing that network of the textile industry to kind of go, how are we gonna tackle this together? So we're only gonna be able to tackle, you know, it being a huge polluter and us meeting that zero um, target. By learning, by being open to learn, open to listening and open to keeping that conversation going to go, how can we solve this? How can we find solutions? So the next five years, I'd love to see the textile industry getting that support from, you know, the retailers, the consumers um, and, you know, policy as well. But kind of. saying what can we do to really move this industry to be more net zero and recognize for the value that it has in our economy as well because obviously it is a hidden sector and I'd love it to have more Sort of visibility to kind of really recognize that it's a core element of our day-to-day life because we all have to wear clothes um and also we need these textiles for industrial textiles so a lot of these textiles go into medical applications you know they go into our defense applications so recognizing the importance of that and then supporting that and then the manufacturing industry again it's, re- it's really the same you know there's challenges there with skills and with net zero and um supply chains and but if we keep working together on it, keep the conversation going, being open to learn, being open to take risks, invest, um, you know, listen and and kind of learn from each other through that risk-taking and also investing in new innovations. We can get there and we can be this advanced manufacturing, net zero, you know, the world-class net zero-based manufacturing, really.
0: I think you can talk for a lot longer on this subject, don't you? (laughs) um, I I can (laughs) Uh, you will be at the Talking Industry Live event on um, at, at the MTC in Coventry on the twenty fifth of April. Did you want to say very something very quickly about your um, what you'll be doing at the at the event?
1: Yes, yeah, so I'll be there with Mike Hague-Morgan from Autocraft Drivetrain Solutions. Um, so Mike and I will be doing the keynote um, together, and it's going to be a very different style of keynote. So come along to kind of see an innovative style of keynote. and so something a bit new for the industry. Um, but we'll be really talking about how um, you know, Mike has grown his company from 7 million to 70 million through the support of Innovate UK. Um, and also talking about how can SMEs do that as well so Mike started as an SME we'll be talking about that journey over the last 10 years to become a larger company and actually it's not as complicated as you first think there's some real quick easy wins that do not cost a lot of money but make a massive improvement to your productivity your efficiency and also the skills base so for example. Through what Mike has done, and we'll talk about it more on the day, we don't want to give it away, but through what Mike has done, he's reduced his training time from six months for a new shop floor employee down to one to two weeks. And that's huge efficiency yeah. and productivity improvements through digitalization. So that just gives you a flavor of what we'll be sort of discussing <laughs> in the journey that Mike's been on.
0: <laughs> it sounds like it's gonna be a good keynote, so Megan, thank you so much for your time. And I'm sure everyone's found it fascinating listening to you. And um, we'll look forward to hearing the keynote on the 25th of April at the MTC. Thanks, Aaron. Thanks. Thank you for listening to Talking Industry. Stay tuned across all podcast apps. Follow us on social. Subscribe to our newsletters. And keep up to date at TalkingIndustry.org.